0: Welcome back to our episode of Down in the Lounge, where we are going to be discussing our very first series. This is going to be our pregnancy series, and today we have in the studio with us Dr. Charlan Gasper. Welcome to the studio. Hi. Welcome. So just a little bit of introduction about Doctor Gasper. Uh, she spent her early years as a gymnast practicing and competing in Southern California. Man, the weather there is so nice. Very nice. (laughs) She graduated as a doctor of chiropractic in May 1999 from Parker College of Chiropractic. She then received her Therapeutic Lifestyle Educator Certification in March of 2006. She then became a certified clinical nutritionist in 2014. However, nutrition was a part of her practice from day one. In July 2016, she became a certified applied kinesiologist, and she continues to work towards her functional medicine certification. Currently she is a co-owner and practitioner at DFW Holistic Health alongside Dr. Michael Phillips and quite frankly she has also been basically my one of well my wife's personal doctor for well over a year now. Yes. So thank you for coming on to the show. We uh, we're very excited to have you and we have a lot of stuff we want to cover today. Awesome. So for our listeners, uh, I just want to let you know this is going to be kind of a no holds bar episode. We're going to touch on some some tough truths so um, buckle up your seats and uh, have a little bit of a thick skin, if you will. Try, try and take what we have to share with you today um, to heart because we want to make sure that we get you proper, accurate information, especially when it comes to this topic. Um, so we're not going to beat around the bush on a lot of stuff, and we're going to hit some heavy truths today. So first off, one of the very first things I picked up on when I first met you was um, that you have a very specific assertiveness, if you will. When it comes to a person's nutritional intake, and I think that just comes from many years of dealing with nutrition in your practice. Yes. When it comes to someone eating their food allergies, I see that little vein pop out in your head, if you will. That's, that's kind of a, a telltale sign that um, they, they've rubbed a nerve, if you will. So what about the nutrition, or should I say the food allergy in particular, makes you so passionate that you want to take the time to educate your patients thoroughly.
1: The honest <clears throat> excuse me. The honest answer is that over 20 years I've seen it be the biggest and most significant change that somebody can make in their life is that They can eat a perfect, clean diet, they can exercise, they can do all the things that they think is right, but what I've seen make the most change is getting out the food allergies or sensitivities, whatever you want to call it, things that make your immune system get fired up, create inflammation in the body, and it's just a background noise that if you don't resolve it, you don't get better.
0: Yeah, and I like how you mentioned allergy and sensitivity because I think a lot of times when people consider... An allergy as well. I didn't get hives, or I didn't break out, and or, or go into anaphylactic shock, and I'm not having to go to the hospital. But allergies is kind of like a sliding scale, kind of like I guess in a way autism would be. Is that there's really bad allergies, and then just sensitivities. But either way, the body's not processing it and can have a bad reaction to it in some way, form or fashion. Is that correct?
1: Yes, it's an immune it's an immune response and you do have a sliding scale of that immune response because there's different types of responses and some is anaphylactic and you're going to throat close up and die possibly, or else it's an inflammatory reaction and it's creating change within your body. Sometimes it's an autoimmune reaction where it's actually starting to eat parts of your body up. Like Hashimoto's, it attacks the thyroid gland, celiac, it's attacking the intestinal system. And sometimes we just don't know that level of damage that's happening, and but we know damage is happening. So why take that risk at all?
0: Yeah. And I, I've seen in my own life, uh, I know I have a gluten allergy, a lactose allergy, and recently developed a pecan allergy. And the pecan, which seems was the one that I felt the most. I got real itchy. I couldn't sleep because it was just so it was uncomfortable, but my gluten and my lactose allergies, I don't notice them as bad until I try and hit the gym and then certain muscles aren't firing off. And so it has not the type of typical response that I guess you would say mainstream medicine would refer to as having an allergy. What I've experienced is, is different, but I can definitely tell after years and years of making the same mistake and having to get fixed that, Yep, I, I screwed up. I ate something that I shouldn't have. Or sometimes it's intentional. <laughs> but I don't tell you about it because then I get my tail chewed for it. So, And <laughs> <laughs> the vein pops out. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, so, as I mentioned, we are doing this interview as part of our pregnancy series. And uh, this was uh, by request by our listeners. We really wanted to provide valuable content to them. Um, and we're mainly going to be covering during and post pregnancy fitness and nutrition. So covering the gamut there, but to to, in order to speak more on the nutrition aspect, I really wanted to bring you in because of your expertise. And if we take it chronologically from before the pregnancy even starts, how far in advance of the moment of conception does the nutritional intake of the female have an impact on the development of the child?
1: Okay, so the honest answer, and maybe an unrealistic answer, but the honest answer is that they've studied and they found that two generations before has a genetic impact on the baby. So grandmother affects great grandchild and everything in between obviously we can't control what the other generations do but you can control how you affect the outcome of your child and your grandchild which i think is is an important factor to consider when you're thinking about having a baby because you're impacting your daughter's child your son's child but if we want to be more realistic a more realistic answer is a good year seems to be a nice starting point to be able to affect the, out, the health of your baby and your health. And that's the thing, too, is that we don't realize or think about that the nutritional choices that you make, the lifestyle choices, the thought choices, everything that you do is coming down to your child and your health. And that's sometimes what people don't consider is that the, your health after the pregnancy and that impact starts at a good year.
0: Is the same true for the father? Yes. Correct. That so for was... our male listeners, take this to heart as well. Yes. I know we have some male listeners who maybe their their wives or girlfriends or future wives, girlfriends, yeah. um aren't necessarily listening to this. Um and so there we wanna bring value to you as well. That, you know, this can have an impact from the male perspective too.
1: And and the thing what changes is called they're called epigenetic changes. So you can affect the the um the presentation of the gene, how the the gene presents itself. And so the gene isn't changing. It's the expression of the gene changes by your lifestyle choices and the male's lifestyle choices, which can ultimately make a genetic change if it's done enough that that genetic expression now becomes a permanent change.
0: No, we're not talking like switching from brunette to blonde type genetics.
1: No, but you could change the outcome of health, if somebody's going to present as a autoimmune problem or a cancer or diabetes, those things might start to ultimately change down the road.
0: Okay. That's, that's a lot to take in for, and, and you I mean, you're right. It's the, the hard truth is, it's kind of like, well, that's out of my control from the past, right? right. So if I'm planning, yeah. a, planning a pregnancy, I can't control the past. Um, but if I'm thinking of legacy, right and i'm thinking beyond the next weekend or the next you're thinking six way months out. yeah okay. so to, to dive in a little bit deeper onto that that back end of what you're saying the more realistic is about a year i don't i mean i don't personally know how many people plan a year out i mean i'm sure that there are some 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 do i'm sure yeah you know i, I know especially if you grow up you know wanting to be a mother or a father it's kind of a it, it's a plan, but it's not a plan, right? It's a, right. It's a goal. It's a dream. It's but it's not something where you've written it down and you've well, marked on it this date it. we're going to yeah, do this. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Some people do.
1: Some girls do. Yeah, some well, girls and I, and do. Know, <laughs> yeah. well, it's scheduled yeah. into their life plan. Right.
0: Well, and I I know that when it when that decision happens of hey we're going to have a child, um, you know, and they start to plan the the, so the cycles, the timing and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, I would assume that's usually within two, three, four months of the time yeah. of when they're planning. So they're not thinking a year out. So a year out is most optimal. Obviously, you know, not doing anything is suboptimal. So it's again, a kind of a sliding scale the closer you get, the lesser it becomes, but it's better yeah. to do it at six months than not do it at all. Better to do it at three months than not at all. So making those impact choices early on, the sooner, the better is going to have the best chance for the child. Is that correct?
1: Best chance for the child and best chance for mother. Because if you don't start making those those lifestyle changes and changing how you see your health, it might impact your ability to get pregnant.
0: Okay. Now, is, this, is it as much of an impact or a factor from the male side? Yes. Just as much? Uh... Obviously not during term, but prior to. Prior to,
1: because one of the biggest things that that we see in the office um, that affects the male's male's impact on the pregnancy is obviously their testosterone levels and their ability to create enough sperm, healthy sperm. And that is greatly affected by a a man's diet and their toxic environment around them. If, so if somebody is eating a poor diet and their blood sugar isn't where it should be, they can be taking their, a male, can be taking their testosterone and converting it to more estrogen, which now impacts their ability to make strong, healthy sperm. And the same thing in a female is that if they're not making good lifestyle, healthy food choices and exposed to toxins, it could be causing their body to take their estrogen and convert it into testosterone. And that's where we see things like PCOS and the inability to get pregnant because their body is not hormonally balanced. Their progesterone is off, their estrogen is off, the testosterone is off, their cortisol is off. And now we start getting into that slippery slope of, well, now I can't get pregnant and now you start doing other hormonal things to your body which creates longer impactful changes
0: so from an advice perspective on nutrition the probably the broad brush stroke is start now you never know when you're gonna it's gonna come in handy absolutely that's yeah, I, I yes. gonna go into that because you
2: know like you know the people do plan pregnancies but then there's some that are just like oh hey surprise you know by the way you're pregnant sort of thing at that point is there something that they can start doing because but you know, if you because my actually my, me and my wife's first kid, we, you know, it just happened. Like we weren't even, we weren't even t- talking about kids, and you know, six months into it, oh, there she is. And is there something that they can? I know it's re- real close. You know, it's not the, the year out and what whatnot. But is there something they can kind of start switching right then that would absolutely any no alcohol? Right. Well, right, yeah, <laughs> at that point for sure. <laughs>
1: The, I mean, the, the, the thing is is that the answer is always the same. Yeah. It doesn't matter when you start it. The answer is the yeah. same. Yes, it's getting in the right foods, taking out the wrong foods, and making your environment as healthy as it can be. Yeah, especially
2: that, right when you find out. Spe- I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it doesn't. You should be doing it before anyways. But.
1: Right. <laughs> and, so, and that's what I'm saying is that the answer doesn't change. Yeah. The, what you do doesn't change. But the longer you do those things, the stronger the impact you make on the health of mom and
0: child okay. and obviously with you know the internet and smartphones we literally have access to any information we want at any point in time literally at our fingertips so there's but at the same time with the internet there's filled with lots of misinformation so i would say there's access to the information and there's also access to bad information so go educate yourself but if they wanted to get it i guess you could say straight from the horse's mouth you know what type of guess doctor or certifications would a mother be looking for in, in someone to follow from an advice perspective
1: um pro, if you were searching out somebody somebody that practices functional medicine or has a clinical nutrition certification um there's there's just a lot of people out there that give a lot of different advice and you got to find the one that that fits your philosophy and what you feel comfortable with. I mean, I know what we practice, we feel very strongly on and are very proud of the results that we get with our patients.
0: It's done me right.
1: So, I mean, I, it's, I mean, I would, I, I, I would handpick somebody to find, I mean, I don't have a blanket answer to just say, go out and look for somebody, but if they're on the, the functional medicine websites, or if they're, on clinical nutrition websites then they're probably going to give you a good foundation it's a
0: good starting point yeah. at least as opposed to going and just asking bob on the street corner <laughs>
2: right
1: right and 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 yeah.
0: yeah bob might
2: give you an interesting answer but it
0: might not be what you want <laughs> you got to bring him a sandwich first though yeah,
2: right no
1: that's bad yeah. no wait, wait. if he's going to eat the sandwich it's the wrong
0: <laughs> check and make sure he doesn't the have wrong... a gluten allergy first yeah, right.
2: <laughs> So uh, what are some common foods that women can make sure to begin eating prior to pregnancy to help both the development of the baby and also maintain the health throughout the pregnancy?
1: Lots of veggies, always lots of veggies, always lots of veggies lots of veggies and clean proteins so not bacon not hamburgers from McDonald's or Sonic right. but clean healthy meats like Tur- actual
0: real food not like- stuff that was made in the lab refined Cor- and processed yeah. correct McDonald's is going to come correct. to me for that one <laughs> <laughs> um, well they're serving real beef now right <laughs> but what are they serving before is the question
1: <laughs> uh, um Healthy and, and good healthy carbs. So um, you know, oatmeal, sweet potatoes, potato like red colored potatoes, mm-hmm.
0: um, not quinoa, russet potatoes? not the Idaho russets. Um,
1: I I would push away from if you ask me the ideal. The ideal is going to be more of the the red and colored. The russets are just higher glycemic index, which means that they're going to have more of a a blood sugar impact and when you're dealing with pregnancies it's usually one of the biggest things that pops up actually is the gestational diabetes which is 100% preventable
2: that's what spikes it, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. So tie ty- and, and timing of eating. So it's not only what, what, what is being eaten, but the timing right. of eating.
0: And we just kind of, we actually did an episode specifically on carbs and talking about it. was our it. last one, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, that right? we did, we two did two episodes. Yeah. Now. We did carbs. And then we also did one on protein, protein. shakes, yeah. you know, kind of like when there's optimal times. And, um, we talked about how you can actually utilize carbs, both low glycemic and high glycemic, right. depending on goals, obviously not in the term of pregnancy. Um, uh, to benefit certain goals depending on what those are. And it's all about timing too on uh, when you do it. Correct, yeah. So so I'd like to reiterate what she's saying is that it's not just what you eat, but the timing of what you eat can have just as big of an impact too. Obviously, I mean, don't eat a bat of Crisco at any time. but nope. Right. So, okay. Please <laughs> continue. I didn't mean to stop you there.
1: Um, where was I? So uh, well, I think that was pretty much it. The vegetables, clean food. Um, and timing and protein and just getting enough protein. And that's the one thing that most women don't do anyway. And they really don't do during their pregnancy is eat enough protein throughout the day, not a porterhouse steak at dinner, but eating small amounts of protein throughout the day. And I do mean animal protein, not nut based proteins or plant based right. proteins. Um, and why and,
0: why is that specifically not... I mean, obviously, plant-based proteins are considered healthy, but why is it during the pregnancy portion that they're not as optimal as animal-based proteins?
1: I don't think it is across the board. It's because you're lacking the, the nutrients, especially the B vitamins. And it, it, you just don't get enough protein, you start getting too much carbs. When I say plant-based, I don't mean a, like a, a pea rice protein shake. I mean sitting down to eating a bowl of rice and beans, you're not getting the the proper amount of, of protein content balanced with the the carbs.
0: Yeah. And we in that episode okay. on the protein, we talked about how plant based proteins by themselves, unless they're mixed, don't you, they're not considered complete proteins. Correct. So yes. the animal proteins allow for them to probably eat less in quantity and get a bigger bang for their their buck, if you will. Yes. Because they're packed with more micronutrients
1: correct and they the the when you pair it with the carb you get a longer uh, a longer sustained energy level as opposed to if you just eat rice and beans you're gonna get a really high insulin push because of all the carbohydrates there's some fiber and there's some protein but you're not getting all of the it's just not balanced correctly for for what the body needs the
0: animal protein helps to slow down the absorption process through the GI tract is that correct yes
1: and the nutrients and I'll give a an example um, i had a like a 8 year old boy a long time ago came in having all sorts of learning disabilities getting kicked out of school and worked with him with the food allergies, he was perfect. He was so proud he would come in and tell me how he went to a birthday party and he had his gluten-free cupcakes and his dairy-free <laughs> ice cream. Like, he was just proud as can be that he didn't eat his friend's lunches anymore. And he was doing better, but he wasn't doing great. And so I, one of the things I've done is I do micronutrient testing. And he ate meat and, you know, he was eating healthy and we'd been doing this for months. And when it came back, his B vitamins were in the tank, which was kind of perplexing to me. But then I realized that mom was a vegan her whole life and during pregnancy. And I strongly believe that that's where his deficiency came from was because in utero, he didn't get what he needed, and mom didn't even have enough from the start to give him what he needed.
2: And he was born without it. And, and he was born without eight it. Years go by, and and that,
1: he yes, and, and so when he wow. got that 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 at the time I was making like custom multis and for for cases like this, and when he got that custom multi, that was where his life changed. Wow. So that's why I'm very very. Staunch on eating the protein and eating the right foods because I've seen it across the board affect the child from what the mother was doing or not doing.
0: Before when we when we had our phone call to kind of pre-discuss this interview and set the timing and whatnot, um, when I spoke with you, you and Dr. Phillips both mentioned something very important, and I want to make sure we get it in here. I didn't include it into our show notes. Um, but I want to make sure we, we hit on it because I think it was a very profound statement that the moment the, the, the conception happens, the moment that, I don't know what you technically call it, but it's you know sperm egg done. like fertilization. Boom, fertilization, Thank you. I was right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a doctor. <laughs> That's why I bring him in. Um, but the moment that happens, the, the mother's body switches from primary, to secondary and so at that point in time the child the the fetus becomes number one when it comes to taking care so it gets the first pick of nutrients the first pick of, I mean throughout the entire pregnancy and then the moment the child is born the mother goes back to the primary and the breast milk becomes secondary and is the first thing that will become deficient in something which means if the mother's not taking care of herself during pregnancy the child is the first to take the hit and then if she's not taking care of herself after pregnancy because and and chooses to breastfeed the child again is taking a hit and so a lot of times my understanding is when there are developmental issues throughout infancy you can trace it back to the nine months plus the additional three six or whatever of breastfeeding you can pretty much pinpoint something in there was not done is that
1: yes can you dive
0: in a little bit deeper or did I dive in as deep as that needs to go
1: that was pretty good.
0: Okay, that was pretty. I'm sure you're not a doctor. I <laughs> know huh? t- that, that was sandbagging or what? No, I tell you what. No, though. that
1: was pretty. That was. The, I don't know that have, was spot on.
0: Yeah. I have to say, I have such a high respect for you and Dr. Phillips that whenever y'all talk, and I've gone into I don't know how many appointments with my wife and sat and listened, and then come back and revert, regurgitated it back to you. I listen and I absorb like a sponge because their knowledge of the body is above and beyond anything that I have ever encountered. And the fact that he was the first and quite frankly, the only doctor that was able to figure out what was wrong with me seven years ago and gave me my hope, because I was this close to fusing my hip joint because of three doctors telling me that I needed Mm -hmm. to, all because I had a slipped disc and they weren't looking in the right places. My fitness career would have been over. This podcast wouldn't have been happening. My entire life would have taken a complete different curve. So the fact that y'all take the time to not figure out what is the symptom nor what is the problem but more importantly what is the the root cause of that problem you know because yeah you might have some leaves falling off oh well okay it's autumn well maybe there's you know maybe we need to chop the tree down well maybe it's you're not fertilizing the soil and the roots aren't having any nutrients maybe that's the problem and that's where the level that y'all get to in this so the fact that you trace it back not only in time um, but also in the moment of, you know, what are you doing right now that could be impacting it? And you trace it. I mean, it's like an onion. <laughs> I like Shrek. I always think about that. No. You have to peel it back no, like No, it onion. is. And the right. body
1: presents itself that way too. Actually, can I add something? Yeah,
0: please, please.
1: So one of the other things is um, stress and the impact of stress on the mother and the child. Actually, there's two thoughts in there. Okay, so... Another example was that I had this girl come in, and on occasion, if things don't go the way that I expect, we'll run functional testing. And one of the things I ran was salivary cortisol, because this girl was didn't she had a stressful life, but it didn't seem like it should be as bad as her body was seeming it to be. Like, so the adrenal glands make cortisol, and if the body's under too much stress it produces a lot of cortisol. And then if it's continual stress, that cortisol can actually stop being produced altogether and you can create adrenal fatigue. So this girl came in and she was presenting like she had adrenal fatigue and all the things I was doing just wasn't seeming to work. So I want work as well as I wanted. So I wanted to see how bad the situation was, kind of like that other little boy, like how bad is this situation? And it turns out that she wasn't producing any cortisol. She was in a complete flat line of, of cortisol. And as I traced back and started talking to the to her mother, so this girl was in her twenties. The mother was under severe stress during her pregnancy, Hmm. and then in the third trimester of pregnancy, the adrenal glands are being formed in the baby, and that's when um, the cortisol is starting to be pumped out in the baby. Does that make sense?
0: And from from the baby themselves. From the baby themselves. From the mother.
1: Yes. Gotcha. And so what happens is that a lot of times in that third trimester, women will go, man, I feel fantastic. This is the best I've ever felt in my entire life. Well, that's because mom is getting some of that cortisol from baby.
2: Hmm.
1: And so the stress of the mother is, a, is impacting the adrenal function and stress adaptability of the baby so it's
0: like sucking and like filling a void pulling from right, the
1: right right and so then the child could be born with a lesser ability to adapt to stress because its cortisol was already being tapped into this also the physiological not physi- even a mental correct wow. correct and the other part of that is that's where a lot of Postpartum depression comes into as well is because that cortisol is being sapped back out of them, and now they're staying up all night. They're trying to breastfeed, and mm-hmm. their nutrients are being taken. They're stressed because they just have a new baby, and they're trying to care for a new life. So a lot of postpartum depression actually comes from the bot- their the mom's inability to handle that stress anymore because. It was stressed out during pregnancy, and it wasn't getting the right nutrients and nutrition. So that postpartum depression can also be very much prevented by the nutrition and handling stress. That was where I was going with that.
0: At some point, I I think it's pretty clear just because of the state of where we're at, we're going to have to probably do a stress series. I think there's so much that, that, that can be unpacked from that. Um, of course, I want to stay on the pregnancy portion, but that's, that's important to know because I mean, well, I mean we yeah, live in a society that, that everything. yeah, we live yeah. in a society where it's like people feel like if you're not stressed out, you're not productive and they, yeah. they associate stress with value mm-hmm. and that, I mean, we weren't, I mean, yes, we were designed with the abilities of fight or flight for survival, but that doesn't mean that we were supposed to stay that way. <laughs> correct you know, and. You know, as humans, we're the only creatures that probably were able to get out of that. Yeah. Other than maybe dog and cats, <laughs> pets. But um, that's important for for our listeners to know. And I, I know if I was in a situation, uh, but and I'm assuming, again, crosses over to the father as well. If the father's stressed out prior to pregnancy, can I mean, I would assume because that stress can affect testosterone and estrogen levels and stuff like that, mm-hmm. correct?
1: That's where the answer is, going back into the inability to get pregnant, is that because the, the body only does one of two things. It either handles stress or it makes sex hormones. So the body will preferentially make cortisol, which is your stress hormone, and negate making sex hormones, estrogen, testosterone. So it will flood completely to making cortisol and basically render the person infertile because their body is trying so desperately to just stay alive.
0: So that's also why during stress, both male and female can experience a very void sense of libido. Correct. Because they're yes. not producing.
1: Correct. And that can also be part of inability to get pregnant is just because of lack of libido and lack of the proper hormones being produced.
0: And then the, all the results that fall down wind after that.
1: Right. And when we're stressed, we make poor diet choices, which now yeah, just so creates... You just want
0: to eat whatever you... Right. Yeah.
1: Right. So you become more hamster
0: wheel. And One then. thing I heard as it relates to estrogen and more so, I mean, I'm assuming it's both male and female, but I heard it in relation to men is that, you know, carrying an unnecessary amount of body fat when you get to like the obesity creates more estrogen, estrogen creates more body fat and it becomes this kind of perpetual loop of, of cycle of kind of yeah. this feedback. So if you don't start taking the necessary precautions from a nutritional standpoint to start negating and losing body fat, you're kind of, you're losing a battle on both ends. Is that
1: yes it's the 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 cortisol cre- causes your body to store more more fat because of the insulin surges the insulin's actually what's causing your body to store more fat but belly fat in particular is its own organ and it turns into its own organ at a certain point because when it gets big enough it produces its own inflammatory marker inflammatory um hormones and it will produce more more hormones to cause your body to store more fat. So you it becomes its own organ tissue because it secretes hormones.
0: Yeah, interesting. I did not know that. That's helpful. Yeah. All right. Back onto the pregnancy stuff. I, th- by the way, this is good. It's all been no, pregnancy. No, it's, it's all been <laughs> pregnancy. Yeah, no, no. And this, and this is helpful too because, I mean, uh, again, we're not talking about the, the natural belly fat that comes with for 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 pregnancy. Oh I no, that's, no, that's, no, that's, no, no 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 oh, no 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 no. that's not. We're talking about the no. unnecessary when right. you're talking Correct. you know fifty forty pounds yeah. of a, of a fanny pack sitting there yes. spare tire yeah. yeah so so I think you already you kind of already
2: answered the uh, you know common mistakes that women make with their nutrition during pregnancy so in line with that what what are some deficiencies that that can develop that would impact the mother and the fetus during pregnancy
0: most common ones I guess yeah. If their nutrition's not where it's supposed to be, because I've heard vitamin K, but I don't know if that's during like like breast milk, breastfeeding time.
1: I don't. I'm not sure on that answer. Okay. But um, (laughs) what I'm what I'm it may not be what you're expecting me to say, but one of the things that will become deficient is the immune system. So this goes back to, so. The immune system of the child is directly related to the immune system of the mother. And so when you are not eating properly, you're affecting how that immune system will develop. So one of the first things that has to be done correctly is the gut health of the mother. Because 80% of our immune system is in our gut. So if we're not taking care of the health of our gut, you're not taking care of your immune system. Does that make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. and that's so, where the vegetables come in. And then, right. yes, <laughs> yes, which feed the good bacteria, and the good bacteria poop, which help feed our colon, our colon cells, our intestinal cells. And so, when they are happy and healthy, then they produce more happy, healthy things. So, one of the things that we hadn't talked about was probiotics. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about supplements much because there's not a lot of supplements that are okay to tell a pregnant woman to take um, but the three things which can be deficiency in that is that um, the fish oils it's really important to have good healthy fats it's good make sure to have um, good b vitamins and that comes So we were talking about that with the proteins and all that but the other thing are probiotics and the way there there's two ways that the the immune system gets supercharged into the infant. One is by vaginal birth. The whole purpose of a vaginal birth is actually to inoculate the baby. It breathes in all of the immune system of the vaginal (laughs) canal. Second is coming, that's what all that that gunk is. All that gunk is actually so that the baby goes and breathes it in and gets it in through their system. It's amazing. And so that is why a cesarean Birth it will hinder the immune system of the baby. Hmm. Now sometimes it needs in middle school health. I can promise you. (laughs) And sometimes it's it and you know a cesarean may be necessary, but when it becomes a choice because it's convenient, is where I think that that's. unnecessary and you're, you're affecting the, the health of, of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second part is the breastfeeding. And so when you breastfeed, that's the second dose of the immune system. And those first few days of breastfeeding are crucial. So if the mom's health is deficient in its immune function, it's going to affect that of the child. And now the, the food that's where the food allergies come in, is that if the mom is eating food allergies, it's affecting the gut health. And if the gut health is being affected, it's affecting the immune system, which is that to me is the primary deficiency of yeah. a child is really going to be that immune system. Because if the immune system is strong enough, it can fight almost anything off. Yeah. And so that, like I said, the immune system would be the primary deficiency that I would be concerned with.
0: So the, the I don't cornerstone... know if that was the right answer, but- No, no, <laughs> no that's, that's, that's a great answer. That's, you know, say that's yeah, I mean... better than I would have expected. <laughs> so the cornerstone of nutrition is always you can't create what you don't intake. So making sure that you're eating not just a well-balanced, like, you know, the food pyramid, but proper, as you mentioned, Anti-food period. Yes. Turn it upside down. The anti-food pyramid. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, So again, not just prior to birth, but during birth. And then I guess as long as they're continuing to breastfeed, their nutritional intake will have an impact on the child. It's only at the moment that they no longer breastfeed that that no longer becomes a direct impact other than the child learning behaviors correct. as they grow up, correct. where it's more observatory and less of a direct impact, correct? Correct. Okay. All right, so...
1: Hang on. Go on, ahead, please. On that breastfeeding yeah. issue. So a lot of times um, babies will have problems with colic or indigestion or um, just poop issues and that can be directly related to the baby having a food allergy and it may be different from mom and if mom is eating something that the baby is sensitive to that's causing the problem
0: and they're receiving it through the because
1: they're receiving it through the breast milk so if mom doesn't have a gluten allergy or doesn't have a dairy allergy or corn or whatever it is baby might because maybe dad does right and mom is or grandmother eat, did. or grandmother did right. whatever. and it doesn't have to be genetic. It could just be that that immune system isn't functioning right. Maybe just the immune system is off and is allowing that food allergy to take hold, food sensitivity to take hold. And so that's one thing that's really important is that if if the baby is having digestive issues, that it's possible that mom needs to cut out, and do an elimination diet of gluten dairy. Those are the top two. I mean, that solves probably 90% of, of issues.
0: Uh-huh. Sorry. Is there, a, I mean, other than doing a, like you said, kind of a, just a process of elimination, is there a way that they can test food allergies in and Elimination diet is the... It's really the only way you can do it. At what point...
1: We do some different things in our office, but the, the typical standard way is...
0: At what point, I guess, and I hate to use the term mainstream medicine because it's not to say that yours isn't, but I definitely know that um, you're not on the pharmaceutical train. Thank God. Uh, Thank God for that. Um, But for, say, um, a traditional mother who doesn't have access to your practice or someone like you all, at what age is it okay to be able to actually get a good result on a food allergy test in the way that a normal doctor might present those tests
1: a blood test i guess so yeah i don't really find them accurate the best test is an elimination diet and the top food allergens is going to be gluten and dairy those are the top two you remove those first for a minimum of three weeks it takes three weeks for the immune system to stop its reaction by 50 percent In three weeks. So you do an elimination, but it has to be 100%. And that's why that goes back to me being so hard on the food allergy thing, is because you don't know until you do it for three weeks at 100%. At that point, the immune system has calmed down enough that if you reintroduce, you'll be able to see the symptomatology come back or not.
0: Right. You know, I, I can actually attest to that. Because one of the one of the presenting factors in my issue when I originally came to see uh, Dr. Phillips was um, that I had a lactose intolerance, uh, as well as a gluten allergy. Both of those played a big factor. But I didn't know I had a lactose intolerance. I was drinking a gallon of milk a day. I had no idea. I wasn't having any of the presenting symptoms that you would find yeah. with someone with a lactose intolerance. But I liken it to... Just like a, a, a major alcoholic never really knows the difference between sobriety and alcoholism, they they just function, you know, on a, a fifth of vodka a day. That's how they do it, and it's not until they're completely cleared out, and then they have a sip later on, they're like, "Wow, I, I feel the difference." That's how it was for me. I could, you know, I'd skip a day or two without milk, not a big deal. It wasn't until I cut it out for two years, and then I had my first milkshake, that I realized, "Oh, this you is bad." Tell. Oh, yeah. I was curled up on the couch for hours. I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> thought I was going to die. Now I have to, I have to steer clear hard of lactose or it it crumples me up. So
1: I'm going to clarify something because you're the rare bird that lactose is actually the sensitivity. Because when I say remove milk and dairy, I do actually mean the not switching to lactose free milk. I do mean removing all dairy whatsoever,
0: including butter,
1: Including butter. Most people aren't going to be sensitive to it, but if we're going to be honest and truthful about the test, then let's do that. Because most people are actually sensitive to the proteins in milk, which are going to be the whey and the casein. Most people are going to only be sensitive to the casein. But it's not to say that some people aren't sensitive to both or the lactose or the butter. The butter is the fat in dairy. Lactose is the sugar in dairy and the proteins are gonna be the casein in the whey. And most people are sensitive to the the proteins. So that goes back to, so you can't have coffee meat which is full of casein. You can't have some of these random protein premix shakes because they're filled with casein. So it's truly 100% no dairy, no gluten in every hidden source.
0: And then if they were going to, after the fact, reintroduce one one element at a time, then they would probably most likely reintroduce whey protein, uh, complete isolated with no blend or anything. Like if they wanted to, as a powder to see if they personally are affected, like say they were doing this as a personal test for themselves as well, as opposed to just for the child, they would maybe introduce that because that's the least likely of the food allergies of those three, lactose, whey, and casein to present itself I mean, is that um, a fair way to – because you don't just want to go back and just chug milk because then you're, you don't no, know No, I mean,
1: I, I usually just tell people to do whatever they want. If it's something – I usually ask, what do you miss the most? Because they don't really care if they can have some abstract thing. People want to have the thing that they miss the most. And most people are going to be like, ice cream, cheese. So I just say, have it. See how you feel because that that's going to give them the information. I'm not a huge way proponent. Um, because it's very difficult to get pure grass-fed whey, clean whey, and no artificial sweeteners. And most people don't really care to have whey. Bodybuilders care to have whey. But the typical pregnant woman or not doesn't really care too much about whey, and I don't want them going and like hunting it out and ending up at GNC and buying some poor quality Quality. thing. I would just say, eat the thing that you want to
0: eat. And then see how you...
1: And see how you feel. And as a real side note, I promise that your child will not grow up with brittle bones if they don't drink dairy. The whole dairy... Yeah.
0: Lobbying on the... Strong bones. Don't get me started on that.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) the the answer is calcium comes from eating lots of green veggies and, and keeping... The inflammation out of the body. When the body's inflamed, it actually pulls calcium out of the bone as a buffer to the acidic environment coming from the high sugar and processed foods. So there are plenty of countries around the world that do not teach their people to drink another animal's milk. We're the only species that drinks another animal's milk. So you can have a very healthy strong-boned child and human being without the use of dairy
0: i was literally having that conversation with a woman the other day just trying to get her to drink more water (laughs) she's like i love milk i'm like hey trust me i know i've I've been there but promise you
1: actually uh, dairy and and gluten some people can have um, sensitivities to dairy and gluten and actually have no digestive issue whatsoever one of the common symptoms in children is going to be skin rashes so eczema psoriasis any of those skin rash things are usually related to gluten and or dairy Um, and then any kind of behavioral issues a lot of people have neurologic issues that stem from the gluten and dairy and people that say that they love milk and they can't live without their milk is usually because their body actually converts the casein into a morphine-like substance called caseomorphin and it actually is also in gluten it's gluten Glutenomorphin And caseinomorphin And those two things Act like crack To some people So you You tell them Not to have it It's literally Like you're taking Away their drugs
0: You almost have to I don't know Run across the thought Of never being able To walk properly again To give up a gallon Of milk a day Because it feels so good I can probably attest I bet I had that (laughs) I'd be willing To bet I had that All right. So uh, Let's see here Moving along So should the nutritional habits change as the timeline progresses through the pregnancy term? Are, are there more needs in the third trimester than there are in the first?
1: They probably will need to. So what, what changes is that you, you, we definitely have to be eating every three hours. You might have been able to have gotten away with eating every four hours, but as the pregnancy goes through, you may need to be eating every three hours to maintain good blood sugar. And what also might increase would be protein needs and carbohydrate needs. So it's just always just increasing the goodness of what you're having, and, but knowing how you feel. If you're ending up with high blood sugar, if you're ending up with more fatigue, then you need to increase the good, the good foods and maybe increase eating more frequently. But other than that, no.
0: So listening to your body and obviously working with a health professional that knows exactly what they're doing as far as have gone through this multiple times with other... Successfully. Successfully being the key term there. Yes. Um, So the the common adjustments that you see that would be advantageous through this is adjusting your time and then as needed adjusting minor things throughout the diet as far as maybe the amount of... Carbs or proteins, but not necessarily implementing or taking out specific types of foods at certain times throughout. As I mean, it kind of is, it's either on the clean list or it's not, and Correct. it stays there or it doesn't. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right.
2: So once uh, once a child is born, what are the, what is some of the common mistakes that women tend to uh, in regards to nutrition that tend to make that affect them and the baby after?
1: It's actually... My answer is always the, it's same. the same. It's the yeah. same. And the, and it becomes more crucial because, like I was saying, is that it, you're in a whole new environment. Life is super stressful. Life is the unknown. Yeah. You're up all night. You're trying to breastfeed. You're trying to do all these things. And one of the things that I find is that they forget to eat. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so it's... it's the, the the rule doesn't change. I think it's,
0: that's true for most people in stress in general. Just you stress... Yeah, time men, flies men and by. women. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yes. you forget. I mean, yep. that's that i think is, is i'm guilty of that i've done that before myself it's the you know? it's the paralyzing achilles heel right now i think in american society especially and i, I again i don't travel the world yet but i don't know how the, how other societies are i know like in australia they say that they get like 4 weeks of vacation you know they they try to improve their quality of life over there versus here we have two but i know that we are just a work 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 okay. society yep. and like yes. i said stress becomes like a badge of honor give me 2 give me 3 you know i can outstress you and then the doctor's bills just get higher and higher and then those stress you out and it's this perpetuating cycle. It's a big snowball effect. It's
1: actually addicting. They've done research and they found that the emotions of stress are addicting. And when you're in the emotions of stress, your mind can't think of anything but being in that stressful environment. So that's something that's really important after the pregnancy, too, is that if you feel like you're starting to get so stressed out and so overwhelmed, you start to actually lose the ability to make the right choices because your brain is not in the state to make safe choices. It's in a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. So always making sure that you kind of regroup and take a few minutes to kind of just bring your, your like attention back down. At yes. Yes. Wow.
0: That I did not know. See, I learned, learned something new. There's a reason. I've learned probably five or ten new things already. Yeah, I? right?
1: Joe Dispenza. If you want to learn about stress and the science behind the stress, Joe Dispenza. He's an awesome speaker.
0: Yeah, you find him on YouTube? Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. I'm actually going to see him. He's going to be in Houston on October 5th.
0: All right. Awesome. Now, is that for practitioners only, or can anyone go and see them?
1: Anyone can go and see them.
0: So our listeners, if you're in Houston or want to go to Houston, you want to awesome. gain a little bit of knowledge, there you go.
1: Blow your mind.
0: <laughs> so
2: at what point after pregnancy does a woman's body tend to return back to normal state of operating?
1: It depends on how healthy the choices that they've been making are. Makes sense. And that's, and that's why my answer is almost always the same no matter what, is that if you do the right things that help the body stay in homeostasis and help it stay healthy and help it stay strong, it, it, it'll rebound the way that it's supposed to. And it may take a couple months to get your period back in order, right. but overall it should just flow back to a normal natural rhythm. And one of the things that I didn't say, but can I say it now, yeah. is that what I've seen over time is that women that have multiple children, their health starts to decline dramatically, second child, third child, fourth child, whatever, because they never took the right nutritional steps from day one with pregnancy, number one. But then also I've yeah. seen some women that have, you know, two, three children and on their third child, they're like, man, I had been exercising before my pregnancy. I had been eating good. I was doing awesome. And I came back from the pregnancy and I lost all the weight and I felt fabulous. And so you can see that when people do the right choices and fuel themselves the right way, the body just naturally comes back to where it needs to be.
0: So to, I guess, to take a separate spin on that question is, the obvious is that it will, if if, if everything's perfect, again, so you're eating, you know, doing everything you need to take care of your body from a nutritional, from a fitness, from a mental standpoint, all of those things to avoid stress. It will return to a normal state and it may take, you know, obviously each person's different, but it may take a few months. Yeah. Whereas the, the other extreme is you don't do any of those, you do horrible and you could never return back to a point of, as you say, homeostasis where it's just, it's operating the way it should in optimal. And you could continue to live with deficiencies or issues for the rest of your life because you never, again, got back to the core root of the problem and tried to address it. A lot of people, I think, tend to try and mask it where they only want to peel back that first layer of the onion because that's as comfortable as they're willing to go. And the yes. irony behind that is is they only want to go that far in their yep. comfort zone, but they continue to live in massive discomfort down the road. Right. You know, shortened exactly. lifespan, you know, cancer, you, you name it. Absolutely. You name it. Absolutely. So, okay, we want to take a couple questions from our listeners that had um, uh, reached out to us on Instagram. We posted a... Uh, kind of a announcement video that we did about doing this series, and I asked for some feedback from our listeners about what they wanted to learn about. And we had two very prominent questions that stood out, so I want to cover those real quick. Um, the first one was, how do I take care of diastasis recti?
1: Okay. So, for, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, do we want to tell people what that is? I, w- I would you- like to know because I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 I'm, you, you, said you said that <laughs> word, and
0: I'm like... Quite frankly, I don't what know what it is. So yes, oh, I'm, I'm going to learn. Oh, all right, all right. So
1: basically, it's a hernia of the um, abdominal wall. So it's where your rectus abdominis comes together and it starts splitting apart. It's very common in people that work out excessively, and it's very common in pregnancy. So
0: because of. The yeah, being underneath the abdominal.
1: Well, because muscle. you're you're growing and it separates it, and it, and I I think it has a tendency to happen to either women that were overweight to begin with, or they exercised a lot, and then all of a sudden you just happen to see it. I personally have it, um, and mine was from exercising. That was where mine came from, um, and mine was actually torn from sternum to pubic bone. Mm. And I went to um, an osteopathic doctor, who. Um, Under ultrasound, he looks at it and he can see how bad it is. Um, Now, if you go to a medical doctor, they don't do anything until technically your guts are coming through. So if your guts aren't coming through, they don't do anything. Um,
0: Quote, unquote, textbook hernia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it has to be like,
1: yeah, it has to be like coming through and then they put the mesh in. And, you know, it's just like fixing any other hernia at that point Um, because it's a hernia.
2: That was the bottom line was it's a hernia
1: Um, with the with the osteopath did for me, um, it's not very comfortable. They, they inject, um, it's a mixture of um, pumice stone, lidocaine, and I think it was glucose. And so basically, it's this mixture that, that irritates the, the tissue to cause it to grow back together. Um, and it, it, like I said, it, days after, it's very painful because it feels like somebody put pumice stone inside your yeah, abdominal wall yeah. yeah and you feel like it's like constantly being like rubbed so, but but it did work um that's the thing is it worked and the other treatment is don't do anything and if you have it don't do any kind of abdominal exercises because that will definitely exacerbate it and other than that there's really no treatment wow wait till your guts come through yeah that's well, what i was told yeah, that's <laughs>
0: definitely that's <what> like. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the next one um are there health benefits to both the mother and the child? Obviously the mother's the obvious one, but is there are there health benefits to the child as well if the mother engages in some sort of physical exercise during pregnancy?
1: So n- the answer is really no, but of course there's always benefit to anybody through exercise. If the mother's been exercising all along, it's in her best interest to maintain a level that her doctor feels is safe for her to maintain, because that's what her body expects to have happen. And exercise helps keep your blood pressure under control. It helps keep your blood sugar under control. It just helps keep you healthier. We all know that. It helps with stress too. And helps right? with stress, I mean, right?
2: So gonna, in, those, in those
0: senses, it has a carryover, but no, like oh, I like you were saying earlier, I. I did ten, you know, ten squats, and so the little baby's legs are going to get stronger. Yeah, now. right. Correct.
1: Right. Yeah, they're not going to pop out like. For so sure. the, <laughs> the
0: benefit of, of maintaining or beginning fitness when during pregnancy is to help maintain the health of the mother, the host, and keeping a homeostasis, keeping like you said, blood sugar, stress, cortisol, all those things, making sure those operate f- properly, so that baby can continue to get properly cared for by the body that is hosting it.
1: Correct, yes. All right.
0: Yes. Um, Anything that you would like to particularly add to this topic that you feel would be of value for our listeners as it pertains to fitness and nutrition, I guess technically before, during, and after pregnancy now at this point?
1: I think the most important thing to think about and understand is that your life is just as important as the baby's. And that's why people decide at the moment of conception that then now they want to start doing something is because their thought is only of the child. They don't think of themselves. And it's just like when you're on an airplane and the mask comes down, who's the first person that is supposed to get the mask? The child.
0: No, the... No. Oh, Mom. <laughs> Mom. Mom. <laughs> <I'm
1: like, "Man." laughs> Mom. Mom. Parent gets the, gets the mask first. And it's the same thing. Oh, that's, right. that's
2: how they say through- I haven't flown in a while. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to hand it out to everybody else but myself. (laughs) I'm going to go up and down that I'm not going to fly with you.
1: So the, the, the point is, is always taking care of yourself and you are always number one, your health, your happiness, your thoughts, everything is, 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 is the key to making everything and everyone else around you as healthy and happy as possible Is maintaining your own personal health and happiness.
0: Well, and it's not like the mother has like switches where she say, like, okay, today I'm going to turn this on for the baby. I'm going to turn this down so I can t-. it's like, you have to take care of yourself because the body's going to do what it's going to do. So if you're not providing itself, mm-hmm. it's on autopilot and when the tank runs out in one area over here there's no reserve tank for that baby to pull from so you've got to make sure that this is all taken care of uh, on the host level first and foremost
1: Yes, because I have a lot of patients that come in and they're moms and they're overweight. They don't feel good. They're tired. They can't care for their children the way that they need to care for them. And honestly, I believe had they taken care of themselves better from the start, they wouldn't be in this position. But now they're not taking care of their 10 year old as well as they should be because they're sick.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's at, at, at every step along the way, mom's health is the most important.
0: It's kind of like the compound effect. You know, I don't know if y'all, if any of our listeners have, or if y'all have ever heard or read it, but the concept is, you know, even it, they say if a if a plane takes off from L.A. and flies to New York and is off even only a degree in its angle, it'll land in like Washington D.C. because yeah, over yeah. enough time, yep. it it the, you, the t- away, you don't further. notice it the next day, you don't notice it, you know, maybe even a week, but years down the road. the the chasm between where you should have been and where you are is so vastly different. And that that works both ways, positive and negative. So if you're not making positive choices and you start making even just small improvements over time, where you will end up is going to be far from where you were bound to be, uh, which, again, can be a very good thing. So I think the biggest takeaways from this interview... um, That I want to make sure our listeners recap on is first and foremost, don't hesitate, regardless of whether this is, you know, you have four children, whether you're, you know, young and you're not even thinking about kids right now, but you know, at some point it's on the list or it may just happen. Start now with healthy nutrition, eating not just a well rounded diet, but the right types of foods
1: at the right time. Yes, at the right time.
0: Get educated, you know, so that you're aware of these things. I mean, the. So many people get educated in other areas, but they forget about their own personal health. And I think that's the other detriment of where we're at yep. in society is yes. people just don't know. The information's out there. They just don't take the time. Yep. So for for yourself, for your child, for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, you know, take this. Because the beyond just the genetic impacts that we talked about is the behaviors. And if you don't have the behaviors, how is your child going to develop the behaviors? They have a way less likely chance because they're not in and around it. they got to wait until they're out of the house and they find a role model and they're 25 or 30 or 45 and they Mm -hmm. finally decide decide to start leading a healthy life. Yep. So, well, Dr. Gasper, I really appreciate you coming in today. Thank you very much. I know our listeners are going to be able to uh, really take a lot from this. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you again. We will have you back in studio for some other stuff. This is definitely a great kickoff for the series for sure. Absolutely. So, um, for all of our listeners, please, um, make sure you drop us a line. If you are not currently subscribed to the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button before you shut this off because we've got a great series coming uh, for the rest of this. Plus, you know, a lot of fantastic episodes that we'll be dropping down the road as well. So follow us on Instagram, uh, hit us up on YouTube, let us know what you think about the the content. And if you have any further questions, please go ahead and shoot them over to us. So that way we can get those answers to you. We will catch y'all later. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Listen, we love connecting with our listeners. So if you have any questions or topic requests, please email them to podcast at the And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at fitness lounge podcast for more updates, tips and content. You can also follow us on Twitter at at fitness lounge three. We are excited to take this wonderful journey with you. And we'll see you next time here at the fitness lounge.